picture this, you know, your hero <laughs> jogging down the street with two bottles of cheap plonk, Jacobs Creek, Chardonnay. Oh, look at that, you know, um, I went to Vienna once. I, I'm, I'm not much of a traveller. I've been overseas only twice in my life. Um, uh, I went to Vienna and Jacobs Creek, just the ordinary Jacobs Creek, not even the reserve, um, was kind of a luxury on the shelves there. Uh, that gave me a surprise and quite highly priced, you know, back in the days when I drank wine. And um, I thought, oh, how about that, you know? Um, but here, you know, it's cheap plonk. <laughs> but it's good stuff. You know, I remember that. I, I haven't tasted wine for about three and a half years, but I remember it to be good stuff, Jacobs Creek. You know, very reliable. Anyway, picture good old Charlie, you know, the romantic hero of this play. Um, yeah, he got a two for deal <laughs> on the Jacobs Creek shardy. And he's jogging down the street and um, in his tracksuit pants. You need, you need to cue the music, you know, the rom-com music now. And, um, and rocks up at the Salvo's bins and the two ladies there sorting out the op shop stuff. And he says, there you go. And I chucked him on top of the bin, you know, because I didn't want an interaction. I didn't want to have an interaction with him. But I said, there's your plonk. <laughs> and I left it there and ran back to my car, jumped in and took off. Now, now you see, and people say romance is dead. This is my favourite kind of episode. Uh, the either or type of episode. Uh, I like those. Uh, uh, because they're not about... Whoops, dropped the phone. They're not about um, the one thing or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Whether one thing is true or the other thing is true. Yeah. Uh, and, and the example I want to give, and by, by calling this an example in this episode, it means I'm not talking about these things. I'm not trying to defend one of them or not. See all these disclaimers you have to start with these days, you know? Because people don't know how to think. <laughs> Look, I'm sure that they do. Yeah, yeah, there's people on social media, probably around 20% of people on social media are smarter than me, you know? So, it's, a, you know, it's not for me to say, oh, people on social media are, are, are dumb. Yeah, I think the platform is dumb. It doesn't lend itself um, to good thinking, but there's a lot of good thinkers on there. And I'm sure people are having good conversations on there, uh, but I've likened it to, from time to time, trying to find shiny coins in a cesspit. Yeah, you get down into the cesspit. I think in the old days, those things were lowered. We have something more fancy these days, settling ponds, you know, um, out at Werribee. Uh, I've got a cousin who worked uh, on something to do with that. Oh, look, he was doing some software, or switching and all that sort of stuff to do with it. You know, the way there were stations on the way. He explained it all to me. It was pretty amazing. Didn't understand a word of it, but, um, yeah, this is a whole type of conversation that doesn't happen in public discourse. You know? uh, the type of thing he was telling me about that time, um, intelligence these days is based on how well in public discourse you can discuss politics, you know, social issues and all that sort of thing. But he was explaining something to do with engineering to me. Um, there, there, it's the way sewerage. No, that's not what this episode is about, anyway. But um, sewerage, yeah, starts in Melbourne, yeah, and he told me all these gradients and all this, you know, maybe it starts at you know x centimeters above sea level here in Melbourne, the sewerage. You know, it's pumped up a little bit, maybe, and then it's it's allowed to, you know, sort of um, gravity. Um, is, uh, you know, due to gravity, you know, the, there's a trench or something or a pipe or whatever that takes it, you know, a third of the way, all the stuff that is, to where it'll be. And, and then maybe it's pumped up another six centimetres and then, you know, for the next six kilometres or 16 kilometres, it goes down another six centimetres by gravity feed and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, two weeks later, it ends up in Werribee and all that sort of stuff, settling ponds. There's no rush with sewerage. 
there's no rush. That's, you know, that's what my cousin was explaining to me. He had something to do with the switching systems, or I don't know what. Look, he explained it all to me, and and um, I nodded in all the right uh, spots, virtually. You know, he lives in London, you know. Um, I said, oh, really? Oh, gee, that's very interesting. Didn't understand a word of it. It was very technical. He's a very smart guy, you know. But um, people don't uh, talk about um, things that I consider really smart in uh, public discourse these days. They talk about yeah, social issues, you know, and, um, uh, and human relationships and politics and all that sort of stuff. All the what we used to call the humanities. Um, but yeah, maths and science um, is not part of public discourse in general, I think. You know, when I was younger, physics was a lot bigger uh, than it is now. It was kind of a sexy subject, yeah, because it was man on the moon and all that sort of stuff. Um, scientists were the sort of rock stars, believe it or not, you know, physicists and so on, and chemists too, and all that sort of stuff. They were rock stars uh, back then. We had Professor Julius Sumner Miller here in Australia. Um, why is it so, you know? And he'd, he, you know, he'd put some gas in a bottle and a milk bottle or something and put an egg on the top and, you know, all of us kids would be gathered around the TV and, you know, there'd be no human around and somehow the egg would pop into the, you know, it would, it would like a Venturi tube, is that what it's called? You know, it would sort of constrict and suck itself into the bottle and we go, oh, wow. And then Professor Julius Sumner Miller with his Einstein hair would, you know, appear on, you know, appear behind the egg and say, "Why is it so?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would say, "I don't know." You know, I'd be talking to the TV. <laughs> he said, "Well, I'll tell you so." You know, um, and I had a physics teacher who um, also had the Einstein hair. He was about four foot tall. He was German. He was a Nazi. You know, well, he was a brother. Uh, in a Catholic school. Yeah, same thing. Um, and he was a fantastic physics teacher, um, but um, he'd have to be shot in the modern age uh, because he was pretty violent. <laughs> we had a kid. Um, Simon, how you going, Simon? <laughs> oh dear. And uh, first lesson, um, you know, uh, Simon um, was, uh, Look, put it this way, I was up the front. I was I was one of the nerd kids. Um, but Simon took up his position in the class in the back row straight away. Well, there's your clue. <laughs> you know, so someone in the back row was going to get shot. There's no doubt about that, you know, because, you know, like in ancient Rome, you know, decimation. You know, it was a punishment for Roman soldiers. You know, but you could... But, I think in um, a lot of soldiering, you know, it's good to make an example of someone just to keep everyone else honest, you know. So, you know, I, I think Brother Rudy, good day, Brother Rudy, <laughs> he'd be dead by now. Um, he was only about four foot. I think he um, actually spent the war in a prison or something, you know, at the, um, at Her Majesty's pleasure, you know, or His Majesty's pleasure at the time. Um, but that's a whole, you know, but there, sometimes these things are just a rumour, you know, uh, around the school, amongst the kids. You know, because he was German, so he had to be a prisoner of war, prisoner of war didn't he? In London, you know, because that's more, you know, that's more sexy a story than, you know, he just kept talking, teaching physics right through the war. So maybe we made it up. You know, people do that. But, uh, and people do that to this day. You know, people always have. Um, look, an interesting story is better than a boring story. Um, and yeah, pretty quickly it becomes fact. We all know that game. But Simon, uh, yeah, he copped the duster. Uh, he, he was um, not paying attention or something. And you know, brother Rudy couldn't have that. You know, for the remainder of the year, we we're only in our first physics class for the year. So um, four foot tall. Now he came in between the benches. You know, oh, I hope you weren't imagining a classroom. It was benches. You know, with the um, with the basins in them, you know, the physics, you know, like a physics lab. And, um, you know, the Bunsen burners, the whole bit, you know. And uh, Brother Rudy went halfway towards the back of the class and he had a heavy duster full of chalk dust um, and, uh, and got him, you know, got Simon from about mm, eight metres, 
Um, nice shot, you know. Get out! Verboten! You're talking when I'm talking, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And kicked him out. He never came back, you know. Ah, oh, those were the days. You were lucky. When I was a boy, my father killed me, danced on my grave, I rose from the dead and he killed me again. <laughs> Do you know that one? Um, anyway, um, so, uh, what was I talking about? Germans? Let, let me see if I can work, work my way back to what I was talking about on this occasion, because sometimes I can't. I'm not Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly can work his way back to what he was talking about when he digresses. I can't. Yeah, often. I know I was talking about um, either or. Yeah, I know, I remember thinking to myself, make an episode about either or. Ah, yes, I, I, I know why I can't work my way back, because I hadn't started. All right, excuse me while I have a coffee. As I drive, I'm off to um, St. Vincent's. Yeah, to drop off some op shop stuff. We've got a, we've, we've got a, um, a car full of op shop stuff. Um, my wife just said, this is a lesson to me. Yeah, I buy too much crap, and she's right. Yeah. But I can say this on this podcast because she can't hear me. You should, you know, there's no way she's going to listen to one of my podcasts. She has to hear me in real life. She's not going to you know, ask for more of that. Now, um... So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I've just, I'm not some minis, I'm, um, the Selvos, I've come to the Selvos. She likes, she likes to give stuff to the Selvos, for some reason she likes the Selvos better. Um, uh, actually, I'll pause for a minute, but this episode is going to be on an example of either or, which I have in mind, uh, but it's not going to be a discussion about either of those things that I'm going to discuss, you know, whether one is true or the other one is true. Um, now, uh, the two things that I'm going to discuss, of all things, and I could have picked 16 different examples, you know, but this one I've picked because it's um, interesting at the moment. I try and stay topical. You know, I try and stay topical. And um, you know, the, pre the episode previous to this one, which was nuanced, I think anyway, yeah, um, yeah I talked about, um, amongst other things, Black Lives Matter, you know, which is the the issue of the day. I thought I was dropping Black Lives Matter a few episodes ago because I thought it was on the wane in public discourse. I thought it was dying down, you know, because we have this, you know, we have a succession of issues, you know, sometimes it's Muslims, then it's environment, you know, blah, 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 you know, refugees, terrorism, you know, um, you know, there's always something big, that little, you know, anyway, and then, you know, and I thought this was the next one, Black Lives Matter, and it would die off and we'd get something else next, you know, you know, science matters, you know, like uh, more talking about science in public discourse, you know, because, you know, there could be uh, an episode, you know, that could be the next great movement. Everyone's always talking about politics and sociology and all this sort of stuff. Um, why not have a great big movement, you know, defending scientists? Scientists' lives matter. You know, we could have that um, and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but I don't think so, you know. Oh, that's how I got onto all of that. My um, my cousin was explaining, um, yeah, sewerage. Ah, now this gets me back to what I was talking about. And I likened, oh, I remember. I likened public discourse to, yeah, and, and also, you know, social media, which I'm not on, but if I were on, if I was on, um, you know, I, it's like jumping into a cesspit looking for shiny coins. Now, the shiny coins will be in there, you know, and people defend public discourse and social media and all that sort of stuff uh, on the basis that there are shiny coins to be found if you hop on social media, you know. Um, but there's also a lot of crap there too, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, look, it's a choice thing, you know. Do you want to go for a dive in a shallow pond, you know, um, to find a few shiny coins? And speaking of, um, you know, or would you like to just stay out and try and find some shiny coins other ways, you know, by reaching into your own head for a start? You know, a lot of people don't do that. At least I try and do that. I'm not that smart, you know, but at least um, I'm happy to sit here and um, 
Well, I, I can't really accuse myself of actually engaging my brain. I'm more a stream of consciousness guy. <laughs> uh, come and listen to a quality podcast. You know, what, what are you doing listening to mine? You know, there's, there's some smart people out there. There's some shiny... Actually, the world of podcasting is, you know, is full of shiny coins and it's not a cesspit. I actually think the, the quality is higher in the world of social media, uh, sorry, in the world of uh, podcasting than it is in the world of social media. I'm a big fan of podcasting. There's a lot of quality out there and just, you know, the occasional, you know, piece of shit (laughs) being my episodes, you know, being my podcast, but the rest of it's good, you know. All right, now, cesspits. Uh, I had a a vague thought, you know, this is stream of consciousness again, um, that... uh, uh, these, you know, uh, they're pulling down a lot of statues. I'm digressing again here. Uh, oh no, I won't. I won't push through with that thought. <laughs> this, that was just me being a smartass. I was thinking you could erect them all in uh, the shallow ponds down in Werribee. You know, rather than smash them or take their heads off and all that sort of stuff. If there's someone that you don't like, we could maintain a um, kind of, um, you know. It wouldn't affect the sewerage and all that sort of stuff, you know, the settling ponds. It wouldn't um, upset the chemical um, sort of processes of, you know, um, manure. (laughs) When humans do it, is it manure? I think it might be just shite. I think we reserve the word manure for what the animals do, don't we? Do we call it manure? I'm not in the business. You know, but... We could have this system so that we're not actually smashing all the statues, but we could put all the ones that are out of favour at any given point in time into the shallow ponds at Werribee, you know, and and, uh, and the plinths you know, of, of all the statues would be in the shit, you know. And then all the people who, who yeah, you know, all the statues which are on the right side of politics, we could put them in the city squares and all that sort of stuff, you know. And now this 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 makes sense actually. Um, hear me out, <laughs> because then if the politics changes, we can switch all the statues, and it's less expense. Now the Romans used to do something similar to that, but um, they used to um, actually that was even smarter. Um, they would keep the bodies of the statue and just switch the heads. And, and I think they used to put the heads of the people who were out of favour into storage. You know, and then if the, you know the emperor would change, and all the all the good guys would suddenly be bad guys, and all the bad guys would be good guys, and um, and they'd switch the heads back again. Google detachable heads of Rome. Yeah, I love the Romans. You know, because the Romans uh, were actually you know where America has been going for a few hundred years. You know, Australia the nation state has been going for a couple of hundred years well it's really only been going for 120 really 150 at a stretch you know as a, as a sort of autonomous land um you know nation state i'm not talking about the indigenous not talking about the indigenous people you know they're not australians you know they're, they're whatever mobs they are you know I'm, I'm in australia the nation state as distinct from, you know, Indigenous Australia, which is entirely different things. We're trying to bring them back together again, I know. Sorry, we're trying to bring them together for the first time, I know. You know but this is not what I'm talking about. Um, uh, but, um, you know, what was I talking about? <laughs> I forget. Yeah, you, you know where I was going with all of that. Okay. Um, uh, either or. Oh, the two examples that I was going to use... Uh, for my example, you, go, you know, following on the theme. Well, that's right, I said um, Black Lives Matter. I thought it was about to die down. It seems to be still on the boil. Uh, so I'll keep chatting about it every now and again. But I've finished chatting about it in a direct way. I'm, you know, like I've, I've done it to death in previous episodes, about four episodes ago. You know, I, I signed off on Black Lives Matter and all that sort of thing, mainly because I thought it had come off a bit. The heat had come off a bit and we were moving on. I still think we might move on again. You know, but I think we're back into Black Lives Matter a bit. I, I, I think it's going to suffer a slow death, this one. It, it's, it's bubbling along still. Um, and, and it's a pity I dropped that chat I was talking about before about um, the, way we, um, the way we talk in public discourse 
Uh, you know, I didn't quite finish that thought. Um, but the sort of chats I have with some people, and like, you know, that cousin I mentioned before is one of those people. He's just as likely to talk to me about artificial intelligence or, you know, you know the stuff I, I struggle with. But the point is, I recognise that stuff as being smart stuff. You know, and he's very good at engineering and all that sort of stuff, you know. I'm good at other things. Well, having a yak. <laughs> Chatterbox, you know. Um, but, um, and, uh, and because no one else, no one talks about anything other than the humanities, as we used to call it at school, uh, we science kids, we sort we, uh, wrongly, I learned in time, you know, I regretted it. I did year 12 doing all the sciences and maths subjects and uh and then i had to come back and do another year 12 i passed the first one and I, i'm not sure that even my nieces and nephews know that you know i went to uni first and then i went back to year 12 because i realized too late and i was about 23 by then i said oh my goodness you know i've got a one-dimensional brain you know so i went back and did another year 12. that's where i met my wife actually but it's a whole other story I should, I should, they shouldn't have let me in the school actually Let's put it this way, she wasn't a t-shirt. Um, but, um, that was wrong. Uh, ah, but I stuck with her. You know. uh, anyway, so, well, of course I did, you know, because I'm on a good wicket. What's more amazing is she stuck with me. You know? Even though I talk like I talk in real life, the way I talk on these podcasts, I feel sorry for her, I really do. Um, there, there's all sorts of cruelties in the world. Um... But, um, what was I talking about then? Went back to school. That's not what I was talking about. See, I've forgotten again. Um, oh yeah. The humanities are very important. In fact, you know, they are a measure of, you know, there's a whole intelligence that goes with the humanities. But the point is, in public discourse, it's, it's the other way to what I used to think at school. You know, at school, you know, I thought, oh, yeah. The smart kids, you know, did maths and science, and you know, the other kids did the humanities. You know, um, yeah. If I got a, if I got ninety percent for maths, I knew that that ninety percent meant that I got exactly ninety percent. You know, there was no, there was no bias in that. You know, two plus two equals four. You know. Um, it either does or it doesn't, you know what I mean? Whereas with the humanities, you know, they just did essays, you know? And if, if, if someone got 90% in the humanities, well, that was just a bit of a judgment by a teacher. You know, and there was no, that's not really a, you know, when, when, when a humanities student gets 90%, are they 90% smart or are they 94% smart or 86, you know? You know, it depends on the teacher and the way they read that essay and all that sort of stuff, you know? It's a little bit airy-fairy, so I, d- I didn't like the... Um, the lack of empiricism, if you like, in judging whether, you know, humanities is just a matter of opinion and all that sort of stuff, or whether it is actually smart. Look, I I learned the error of my ways, and I came to realise, in the end, too late, really. Well, not too late in the end, because it paid off. Uh, Got a wife out of it, and um, I went back to school and, you know, did another year 12, um, after having gone to uni. after having done physics and did all the humanities subjects that I should have done in the first place, you really need to do two year 12s. I recommend it. Um, Anyway, that aside, um, but in public discourse at the moment, it's the other way around. Um, You get a whole lot of people, you know, well, on social media and all that sort of stuff. You know, all the people who are judged to be geniuses and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's actually flipped against the scientists and the engineers and the mathematicians and all that sort of stuff. That stuff's not valuable, you know. I, I hear, say, uh, like someone like Kanye West, who I do, I actually, his brain I do respect, you know, he's into philosophy. Or Russell Brand from England and a whole lot of other people, you know. These guys are really interesting, but they're always talking about um, sociology-type things, you know, and psychology-type things, and spirituality-type things, and identity-type things and politics type things and all that sort of stuff and um and because they're in a kind of what they call an echo chamber in modern language um they're all judging each other wow kanye west he's actually a real genius and so is russell brand and so is jordan peterson he's another one you know 
Well, you know, there's science in psychology, I know that. You know, but what I'm getting at is um, because they're all judging each other on how well they argue the humanities, um, I do get the sense that in public discourse, the measure of someone being wise or bright or anything like that is really the measure of how well they argue humanities. Whereas um, there's a whole other sort of class of people, surgeons, doctors, um, you know, engineers, mathematicians, physicists, chemists, and all these sorts of people um, who are absolute geniuses. And sometimes you wonder, um, hey, Kanye, what's the square root of, you know, 169? 12. Aha, gotcha. You know, that sort of stuff, you know. And, um, but because they're all judging each other and because they don't even talk about that other stuff, they, they know that stuff's bubbling away in the background somehow, but they don't value it. So I think the worm has turned, you know. They all look at their phones and sing rap songs into them, but I'm not sure that they understand how the phone works. Yeah, and that sort of stuff is the sort of stuff that my cousin, for example, might talk to me about. And that, uh, and it's a whole layer of stuff that's happening in the world that, you know, even Donald Trump and all those sorts of people don't really understand, I'm sure. You know, um, they're all in a bubble, you know. But there's this whole class of people in the world who I class as really intelligent and everything, uh, but their type of intelligence is not recognised. Yeah. And, and the philosophers are in there somewhere too. I think they've been left by the wayside, you know, because there's a philosophy in discussing, for example, the sort of episode I'm going to discuss now, which is suddenly going to be a long one, you know, but that, I, you get that with me sometimes. But philosophers are very interesting because I think they've been left behind a little bit, along with the scientists and the physicists and the chemists and all that sort of stuff, you know. Oh, you know, Russell Brand, he's just a genius, you know. Yeah. Square to 169, <laughs> Russell, uh, 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 13, yes, oh, really, aha, <laughs> uh -huh. you said really, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing, you know, anyway, so, uh, but the philosophers also get left behind because they kind of, you know, they work off that, all that ancient Greek logic and all that sort of stuff, look, philosophy is a little bit mathematical, it's almost one of the scientists, but then again, so psychiatry and psychology and all that sort of stuff too. Um, look, politics and the law and all that sort of stuff, they're different. You know, they're, they're, with those ones, you, you, you work out what answer you want before you start. Theology is another one like that. You know, you work out what answer you want and then, you know, find the evidence that will work your way onto that. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but, um, yeah, the philosophers have been left behind a little bit too, because I think um, you know your average philosopher is uh, you know, probably interested in maths as well and statistics and science and all that sort of stuff because it's the same side of the brain, is it not? I don't even know. Yeah, um, but when I started this episode, I'm calling it an either or episode, um, I, um, I I I was. I was moving myself, you know, I, I was talk, I was talking, you know, I was moving myself in the direction of an episode that was something to do with logic and philosophy, you know, and maths even, you know. Um, now, the, but to continue the theme of the previous episodes, I will use an example from vaguely the world of Black Lives Matter, but because this is a philosophy podcast all of a sudden, possibly, you know, and a mathematics podcast, I'm not actually making a political comment on, you know, Black Lives Matter, for example. So, uh, the way that works is, whatever I say coming up, you know, I'm saying it in the context of philosophy or maths, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, if you don't agree with what I'm saying, you know, look, I, I, the stuff that I'm about to say, which is, you know, going to be, actually, it's going to be, I'll tell you what it's going to be about in a minute. Yeah. It's actually going to be, um, you know, which is um, right? You know, well, oh, sorry. Yeah, which of the following two statements are true? You know, indentured labour in Australia. Yeah, look, this is a leap. Yeah, indentured labour in Australia is the same as you know slavery in the US. You know, when you go back in time and look at it, um, or it's not the same. You know, and and this episode is going to say, well, 
in some ways they were the same and in some ways they were different. See what I'm doing there? Um, the, the question that I was asked was an either or question. You know, well, was indentured labour actually slavery? Or was it not? You know? Um, and, um, yeah, that's a very political question, you see. It's a political question. Now, I can get the, the, the correct answer on that is yes, they were the same in terms of what, you know, you should dare say in public at the moment. They are the same. You know, the suffering was the same. You know, in some ways, perhaps, the suffering of the Pacific Islanders, you know, might have even been more, especially if you were a, a cane farmer, you know, indentured labourer, you know, who was paid a wage and then the wage you had to pay back to the master anyway. Well, it wasn't a master, it was a boss, you know. You know, that might have been a, a much more horrible existence existence than if you were a house slave in the deep south, you know. Hattie from Gone with the Wind, you know. Do, who do you want to be? Hattie from Gone with the Wind? Or do you want to be, you know, someone, a Pacific Islander, um, um, you know, slaving his guts out morning till night, um, having been blackbirded from Vanuatu or wherever, you know, across to Australia, to Queensland. Got to rename that state. That's a joke, actually. Okay? Yeah. Um, when it's comedy, that's a whole other game as well, you know? So if I say, I've got to rename that state, you know? You know, because that, 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 that's a political thing, you know? Because it's called Queensland and we don't like Queens. Uh, because they represent, you know, so yeah, don't worry, you know. Um, Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff. Um, anyway, so, you know, who would you want to be? You know, I'd want to be Hattie, even if I had to be a girl. Instead of that farmer, he had a heart alive, you know. Um, so in some way, politically, you know, and, and also the suffering was, you know, just as great or, you know, in some cases greater if you were a Pacific Islander in Queensland, you know. So it was indentured labour, you know, anything different than slavery well politically i would say no uh-huh but um but uh, but that's only if i was speaking in public you know um i say no you know the poor bloke who got blackbirded across to australia in, in all practical terms could never get back to vanuatu in the same way that um a slave in the deep south of America, was really, realistically, never going to get back to Africa, to his tribe. Same sort of thing. And they both suffered. What's the difference? You know? And that, that's the end of the discussion. Yeah? Or you can go completely the opposite and say, I, I'm just not happy with that, you know? And, and argue the exact opposite way, you know, which a lot of right-wing people would argue, you know? It's completely different. You know? Absolutely ridiculous. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, who's about two years younger than me, so, you know, he's not necessarily able to argue these things better than me. <laughs> yeah, on seniority, at least. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, 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 he did it very clumsily the other day and then had to come out and apologise. But not because of his, what he said was wrong. You know, he said we don't have a history of slavery in Australia. Now, on a political level, that's a pretty stupid thing to say. You know, so, you know, he was a dummy for saying that. But I'm inclined, you know, when I've got my logical hat on and even my spiritual hat, believe it or not, I'll come to that, and even my psychological hat and even my identity hat, I can actually raise a case easily that it's not a case of either or, you know. Was slavery the same as indentured labour or was slavery different than indentured labour? You know, if I was Scott Morrison, I would have um, answered that in a much more nuanced way, that question, you know. But who's got an hour to hear an, a fully thought out answer? You know? And that's what I'm giving you here, is a fully thought out answer. It might not be a very good one, but it's fully thought out, you know, to the extent that I can fully think out an answer. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, so in, in, in the next piece of audio, which is coming up, which is, you know, this is now a long introduction to a short episode, you know. Um, in the next 
piece of audio, um, I'm going to go against what I said before, you know, because just before, you know, I argued the case on a political level at least, or, a, you know, an emotional level. How's that? An emotional level. You can argue things on a comedic level too, and a satirical level. Yeah, We're not monkeys. We can think things from different perspectives, you know, and, you know, this is why, you know, people say, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, for example, you know, that makes completely, completely good sense to me. I know what they're getting at with that. You know, when I've got my political hat on, you know, I would never say all lives matter to a proposal that Black Lives Matter. And I explained that fully in my previous episode in which I said Black Lives Matter. I completely get that. And, you know, to to um, counter that with a statement like all lives matter is an offence. I can see that. You know, but I could just as easily say, now, now that I've made that point, um, from other con- in other contexts, in other contexts, um, you know, just straight logic, for example, um, you know, not politics, and not emotions, um, it's a, it's a pretty bad kind of slogan, you know, because black lives matter and clearly gay lives matter too. You know what I mean? Uh, because even in on Hollywood Boulevard, when the black lives matter thing came up, no one even sort of raised an eyebrow on this. I don't think um, they spelt out black lives matter on the Hollywood Boulevard. I think it was the Hollywood Boulevard in the gay colours, you know, the rainbow colours in huge letters, black lives matter. But they did it in. Um, Rainbow colours, you know why? Because it's Hollywood, you know. Good <laughs> uh, mural. Anyway, so, um, yeah, and, and, and I, what they were doing there was they were trying to piggyback gay lives matter, or LGBTQIA plus matters, lives matter, um, on the back of black lives matter and, and you know, uh, associate, you know. So that was actually a sneaky version of all lives matter, but no one raised an eyebrow because would you dare... Would you dare go up against Meryl? Did you see Meryl eviscerate uh, Donald Trump, you know, cut out his guts on a hot day and um, and they spilled out slippery onto the pavement, you know, and they, they, there they were glistening in the sun, you know, and the people gathered around and Donald Trump, you know, was still alive, staring at his guts on the on the pavement um and it was a very hot day in los, los angeles and um and 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 they even started to fry up a bit before his very eyes you know did you see meryl streep eviscerate donald trump in a scathing speech that got her another oscar nomination on one occasion um and and um yeah and, and she timed it for just before the golden globes or the oscars or whatever um beautifully timed Meryl <laughs> and uh, you know, and she eviscerated Donald Trump I always worry about the use of the word eviscerate these days you know? um, because I hear someone has been eviscerated and then the next morning I turn on the news and there they are looking really healthy you know if you're going to eviscerate someone yeah, it's got to hurt if you're having no visible effect on them it's not evisceration you know, stop claiming you're eviscerating someone when they seem to be, you know, absolutely unaffected. Ah, <laughs> uh, the modern language, you know. Um, what was I talking about then? See, I'll never get back from that one. Because, yeah, I had the image of the guts <laughs> frying on the pavement, and that's really distracted me, because I can distract myself. Um, uh, look, let's just imagine that I was heading somewhere intelligent there. I may get back to it like I did last time. <sighs> what was I talking about? Um, Donald Trump. Um, guts on the pavement. I know I was talking about um, the Pacific Islanders uh, and the slaves. Hattie from Gone with the Wind. Uh, you'll probably remember better than I do. Um, uh, and Black Lives Matter. And, ah yes, 
and and the way that um, Black Lives Matter was spelt out in gay colours, the rainbow colours. Ah, you see, this is um, that was actually all lives matter by stealth, you know, because they were saying, you know, Black Lives Matter was the issue de jour, you know, <laughs> de jour, um, and um, they expanded Black Lives Matter, which is actually an insult, but no one dared pick up on it. Um, because, you know, you can't go against that mafia either, you know, the LBGTQIA plus community, and they co-opted it. But the point is, what they were doing there was doing an All Lives Matter thing. Um, now, I can, um, but, you know, you're not going to go up against Merrill. There you go, I got back. Um, so, um, you know, because, you know, if that matters, then elderly people matter, you know. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to um, join uh, Gay Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter during a Black Lives Matter moment, you know, that's an insult to Black Lives Matter. Focus, people. You know, because that's just um, all lives matter by stealth, you know, because then you have elderly people matter. What's wrong with that? You know, if you're going to have gay lives matter, and then if you're going to have elderly lives matter, you know, and uh, you might have cancer sufferers matter, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Health matters, you know. Suddenly there's four things, you know, and it quickly goes to all lives matter. And as soon as you get to, you know, elderly people matter and, you know, cancer sufferers matter, you've got this problem of don't protest during a virus, you know, because you're going to kill all the elderly people by doing so. You know, so you can get yourself into a pickle, you know. And uh, I think the world can't think like that easily. All they can do is shout at each other. But can you see that this is going... I really do think this is a kind of nuanced episode. You know, am, I, am I against Black Lives Matter or for it? Well, you know, in the last episode, I think if you, if you carefully listened to it, you would say, I'm for it. Absolutely for it. Uh, but, you know, my niece, uh, I spoke to her about my previous episode... Uh, because she listened to it and she said, I can't pass that on to some of my friends because they would, um, yeah, they, they would think you were being a bit of a Sam Newman. Yeah, but you might not know who Sam Newman is, you know. Um, but he just got sacked from Channel 9, for what it's worth. Yeah, because he, he, ran, a, he ran an argument that, um, that that cop who shot that African-American George Floyd the other day, or the other week, um, you know, should, uh, you know, spend the rest of his life in jail, and I hope, you know, Mr. Big sorts him out in jail, he said something like that, so he was clearly on the side of, you know, in full agreement with people who are Black Lives Matter people, you know, that that cop should go down if he's found guilty, you know, so he smashed that cop, but at the same time, he said George Floyd was a piece of shit, you know, he said both those things in the, in the one sort of, sort of discussion, you know, and, um, and and logically, he's right, as far as I could tell. Um, but um, he got sacked anyway. <laughs> but because you were right, Sam, on a logical level, you know, arguably. You know, it was arguable anyway, you know, it wasn't wrong what you said. But on a political level, it was wrong. See, in, in you know, in the current environment... You know, it's a stupid thing to say. You know, you got to. We need a secret society of people um, that, you know, away from the politics, discusses things logically and all that sort of stuff, and is able to do things like to say, say, you know, if Black Lives Matter, then LGBTQI play A plus matters all the time as well. You know, and you shouldn't protest, you know, because you're going to kill elderly people. You know, even if black lives do matter, you know, you shouldn't be protesting. But you'd probably get the sack from your job if you argued that in public. And that's why I'm not arguing that in public. Oh, lordy me, no. You know, um, but, excuse me, I need to cough. And anyone who um, cared about you would edit this out. But I'm not going to, because I don't care about you. Your life doesn't matter to me, dear listener. <coughs> right. I really should get into the salvos. I've got that much stuff in the car. Um, see, this is what happens when you have a virus. You have spring cleans, and uh, your wife throws out half the house, and then I have to bring it down here. I don't think they've got enough bins. You know, I've got one of these big cars, you know, car Kia Carnival, you know, and um, it's full. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Um... What was I talking about? 
either or. Yes, so this is something of a philosophy podcast. Um, and I'm going to discuss either or, you know. And uh, the example I want to use is, uh, you know, is indentured labour in Australia, as you look back on it, you know, the way the Pacific Islanders were blackbirded by bastard-like towns, you know, after which Townsville is named after, um, across to Australia, and really it was a, you know, a life sentence or a death sentence, whichever way you want to look at it, um, across to Australia to work in on the sugarcane farms. There's probably cotton up there too, for all I know. You know, you know, was that the same thing as Africans being taken over to America as slaves to work on the cotton fields of, you know, when I was a little bitty baby, my mama used to rock me in the cradle, you know, that sort of stuff, you know. Um, what's that other song? Jump down, pick a bell, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. Is it the same thing? Yeah. Um, and in my next um, sort of spiel, I will say... Uh, I will argue the case that, well, if I was speaking politically, I would say the same thing. Yes, the same thing. Um, because, you know, Pacific Islanders and Indigenous people who were indentured labourers, um, um, you know, uh, they are suffering from the legacy of indentured labour and all sorts of other racism back then. Although it's a bit confusing in Australia because we had convicts, you know, white men, <laughs> who were um, indentured labourers as well. Uh, but, you know, we sort of breeze over that when we're speaking politically. Um, there was racism, you know, up and about in Australia, you know, and that sat behind the type of indentured labour that, you know, was meted out on Pacific Islanders and um, Kanakas, you know, and um, all that stuff, and, in, you know, and Indigenous people in Australia. Uh, um, you know, um, and I've lost my train of thought again. Because, you know, all I'm really thinking about is uh, all this junk I've got in the car. But you know what I'm getting at, you know. Um, and look, if I was speaking on a political level, um, yes, I would say, yeah, look, it's it's unhelpful. That's the word I would say. It's unhelpful to try and draw a distinction between in, um, um, slavery and indentured labour. I would say it's unhelpful and you're only going to hurt people, so you shouldn't do it. Yeah, but I would argue that you should you should um, refrain from doing it only in public discourse. We do need a secret society of people who can get together and discuss these things on a non-political level. Um, but you know, and instead on a you know making sense level, you know. And in the audio that's coming up, I'm, I'm going to argue that the um, there's a huge difference between indentured labour in Australia, you know, whether that's Indigenous or Pacific Islander or convict English people or convict Irishmen or whatever, or Irish women, you know, I'm going to say there's a huge difference between being an indentured labourer in Australia back in the 1800s, let's say, and being a slave, an African-American slave in the United States of America, you know, number one, because, you know, uh, convicts who went to America weren't slaves, you know, so there was a difference, yeah. But I'll explore all those differences. There's a lot of differences. There's huge differences, yeah. Differences that strike at the very heart of what it means to be a human being, you know. Strikes at the heart of things that matter more than how much punishment you're, you're, you're receiving. You know, it's not all about whether you are working in the hot sun all day and getting whipped, you know, and whether your boss is called a boss or a master, it's not only about that, um, you know. Uh, look, to lead into what I'm about to talk about, you know, and, and I will argue this is a lot longer than what Scott Morrison argued earlier, you know, a week ago or whatever. Um, it's a lot longer, the way I put things. Um, but I, I think um, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm doing this with the necessary nuance that is required to discuss these things, you know, I'm going to argue that there's a huge difference, you know, and it strikes to the very heart about whether you own your own soul. So on a whole spiritual level and a whole psychological level, 
um, uh, it's a completely different thing. You know, whether, you know, for example, you know, like a slave didn't own his own children or her own children, whereas an indentured labourer did, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Look, there's a huge difference, I'm going to argue, but I would never do a Sam Newman and try and argue this on a radio show or a podcast that's talking about football and just slide this in on the side. You know, I do think that's stupid. If you're going to talk about this stuff, you know, strap yourself in. You need a couple of hours to discuss it properly. You can't discuss it the way Scott Morrison discussed it recently and said, oh, we do not have a history of slavery in Australia. You can't say that. It's just stupid. You're just asking for trouble. You know, this is a nuanced... um, a nuanced topic, you know, just like my previous episode was, you know, I had to deal with that in a very nuanced way. You know, I, I, I couldn't make a call about whether black lives matter or they don't, or whether black lives, you know, like in some contexts, black lives matter, you know, um, you know, I, I get that, you know, and you can't say all lives matter, but if I was to shut the doors and talk about, you know, gather a group of people around of all races, colours and creeds and all that sort of stuff and say, now let's just talk about this logically, then suddenly we would very quickly get onto all lives matter. We would get onto all lives matter. You know, we'd, we'd first argue out, you know, the context of black lives matter and how it's an insult to say that all lives matter during a black lives matter moment. But then, you know, as a part two after lunch, you know, um, we would come back and we would say, well, all lives do matter. You see, it's not an either-or thing. It's not an either-or thing. Yeah, it's both. Yeah, and you know what? When it comes to either-or questions, sometimes it's neither nor, but something else altogether from uh, from yet another context. Yeah. Um, but you know, if I if I um, if I go down that rabbit hole, I'll I'll definitely lose <laughs> my train of thought. But I. I, I, I have examples of that, you know. If, if, you know, sometimes you're asked an either-or question and it's neither-nor, but something else altogether, you know. And how does social media cope with that? You know, when there's a meme saying, you know, is this true or is it not, you know? Social media can't um, deal with this nuance and this is why podcasts exist in the universe and in the ether. Uh, they are rather necessary, I think, you know. Um, so that you can actually have an hour-long episode, or, in the case of this episode, something like an, uh, an, an episode that's going to go for, I reckon, an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so I am going to make a case, not in public discourse, but just in, the, in this quiet little room with the doors locked, that is this podcast, for the, you know, the proposition that um, slavery is a very, very different thing on all sorts of levels for a human being than is indentured labour. Spiritually, identity-wise, you might think none of these things matter. It only matters whether you're getting whipped, you know, and whether you're getting ripped, you know, and whether you're, uh, you know, you're working off the job each night with no money. You know, indentured labourers did get paid, but sometimes they got their money stolen back from them by their bosses, you know, and they could never go home anyway. You know, do you think that identity matters? Actually, most people in the world, it's probably the most important thing to them, their identity. And and therein lies a huge difference between indentured labour and slavery. And for a hell of a lot of people in the world, their very spirituality matters. You know, whether they own their own soul, you know. This is not, you know, I think, therefore I am. This cuts to the core of whether you are, you even are, you know, whether you think or not, you know. The master owns your soul when it comes to slavery. And this is massive, you know, massive. Um, and there's a whole sort of um, dehumanising effect that um, is involved in being a slave. I don't mean only if you're an African-American slave. I mean if you were a slave back in Roman times. You know, if you were a Greek slave of the Romans, you know, 
um, or you know, a slave from some other area, from the from Gaul or whatever. You know, it was the same back then. It's no different. You know, they have a Juneteenth thing going on in America at the moment. Ah, and interestingly, have I got time? Hang on, fifty-three minutes. I'm going to finish this off at an hour. Um, there's a Juneteenth thing. Uh, my stepmother, um, she works for an American company, you know, working out of New York, and um, they're getting Juneteenth off her law firm, and um, in America, but they said Australian uh, Australian employees can't have the day off. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you know, because Juneteenth apparently is well, not apparently, I heard, um, is about you know having a day off so that you can pray or reflect, you know, for reflect upon you know so you can f- reflect upon the you know the tragedy that was slavery you know but they're not giving juneteenth to their australian they're trying to do the right thing this law firm but they've judged that it's not appropriate for their australian employees to have the day off and i would actually i actually get where they're coming from there but there are a lot of black lives matter people who would say you must give the australians a day off to pray for the slaves you know because they had their own slaves you know, and on a political level, yeah, all right, you know, but on a making sense level, no, you know, you're wrong. And the New York bosses are correct in giving their um, um, their American employees a day off for Juneteenth, but not their Australian employees, you know. And, I, and, and you know, I'll argue why that, I think that is, why, why that makes sense to me in audio coming up. Um, 54 minutes. Um, yeah, so, now, I've, I've come up close to an hour, um, I could actually just not say what I was about to say, because I think I hinted at it enough to isolate the differences between, um, being a slave and being an indentured labourer in this episode, you know, some of it would have slid on right by you, probably, you know, because I just very briefly mentioned that, you know, you could be an Irishman or an Englishman and be an indentured labourer, you know, so, um, yeah, there's a, a certain brutal egalitarianism uh, about that, isn't there, you know? And, you know, uh, you know what? I'm not going to speak the audio that I was going to speak coming up. I'm going to finish this episode because I think I've hinted at what I, what I was going to say enough by, you know, kind of hinting at what I was going to say. So I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to finish off this episode. Um, but I think indentured labouring is a completely different, you know, box of frogs on very important levels, but the same as slavery in other levels. You know, you could still, you know, work your life away, be isolated from your where you came from and get whipped by a boss and all that sort of stuff. Look, all that stuff's the same. So it is the same as slavery, indentured labour, in, in, in very physical ways. You know, and, and also your spirit could be crushed and, you know, your psychology could be crushed and all that. But on a very deep spiritual and identity level, and, and, and herein lies you know, the problem as to why America's having a much harder time at the moment than Australia on Black Lives Matter, as much as a lot of people are putting it about that we are in the same boat as Americans, we're not. You know, America is convulsing with this issue, whereas Australia is, ah, we're just sacking Sam Newman, you know what I mean? We're not even really serious about pulling statues down or renaming Victoria or renaming Queensland, you know? We're not that serious about it because we just don't have that history of slavery, which is what Scott Morrison tried to argue, but clumsily, you know, because there are more important things to a human, quite possibly, I would argue, than, you know, whether you were just um, subjected to brutality, you know, like take a Jew, for example, you know. Um, if you told some Jews, because um, Jewishness is their identity and their spirituality and everything, you know, um, listen, renounce your Judaism and you don't have to go into that concentration camp or stick with your Judaism and go into that concentration camp, a lot of Jews would have gone in. And therein lies my point. But I'm not sure, you know, I can't be bothered joining the dots on it, but it's, uh, yeah, therein does lie my point as to what's the difference between indentured labour, in which you keep your spirituality, um, 
and you keep your identity and your children are still owned by you and all that sort of stuff and you know look to a certain extent your your history is not scrubbed out you know not not erased you know uh, you still know that you're a proud Pacific Islander and all that sort of stuff you know and um, you know you might even still remember which tribe you came from you know I'm a Vanuatu guy or you know whatever but the Africans Look, put it this way, the average African-American has had his or her origins scrubbed out so successfully, you know, because this is because, you know, the children, you know, all that mattered was, you know, that they had black skin, basically. You know, and this is why they identify as black today, you know. So the child would be sold to another master, you know, because the, and, and there was nothing, you know, and it was, uh, the child was even named after the master. It wasn't even named after the parents, the surname, you know, I think, tended to be, you know, the, the child would take on the master's surname, you know, where they came from, and not the father and the mother. And, you know, you could be from Nigeria or you could be from the Congo or something, and you'd go across to some other plantation and, uh, you're, you know, you, all you had left was your black skin. Yeah, and, and, and um, even what sort of tribe you came from was lost you know one generation in you know and um you could no longer identify from which part of africa you came from so you became sort of pan-african in your identity and that's i think why a lot of african americans these days are quite pan-african you know because what else are they going to identify with you know but back in africa you might argue you know you know they might have you know they're that person's tribe might have hated another tribe, but now they all love each other because they've had the nuance between their tribes scrubbed and now they are just black. Yeah, that's all they've got left. That's the difference. End of episode. I dropped off all my stuff. At the Selvos, uh, two women there, ah, lovely ladies on a sunny day, you know, and uh, they've got a mountain of stuff to sort through. Nidri, uh, Selvos, uh, and, and for the joke only, um, look, one of the, one of the ladies made an off-the-cuff comment to me, you know, by way of a joke, you know, said, "Oh no, I don't need more stuff. I need alcohol." <laughs> So I'm sure you do, you know, um, but mainly because I'm a flirt, uh, and not for any other real reason. I wouldn't have done it for anyone else. Um, I just thought I'd make a joke of it and uh, made a dash for the bottle shop. You know, I made a dash for the bottle shop after dropping all my stuff and left my car parked illegally, by the way. Uh, but I kept glancing back to make sure that you know I wasn't going to pay eighty-five dollars for some cheap plonk. Uh, and then I, I hit the bottle store nice and quick and got two bottles of cheap plonk. Oh, actually, it was um, two for, I got, I got a two for deal, you know. And uh, it's not about that, you know. It's about um, giving, uh, giving the ladies a bit of a laugh at the moment. Um, yeah. Now, that's glamour in my area. You know, we call that glamour, you know. Um, have you ever been to the movie, you know, been to the movies and... Um, uh, some man sees a beautiful woman and you know makes a dash for the flower shop in Paris, you know, <laughs> and um, and then runs back um, uh, with the flowers and she's gone, you know, and he just gives it to the little old lady, you know, and then suddenly it's a fairy tale and she turns into that beautiful woman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. movies can go anywhere. Um, now I, I will um, divulge something here. I'm actually in tracksuit pants. Nowhere near glamour. Nowhere near glamour as I speak, you know. And, and this is, I blame on coronavirus because I got in the habit of wearing tracksuit pants, which is a terrible thing to do, um, to go out in public in tracksuit pants. A nice top, admittedly. And I, yeah, from the head up I look alright, you know, but from well, from the waist up, I look all right, but from the waist down, bit bogan. I was interrupted at the critical moment, you know, just before the punchline then, 
that happens to me sometimes. You know, the perils of uh, speaking a podcast into a phone. Uh, on from, into, onto, which you receive phone calls, which, you know, podcast interrupting phone calls, but um, the punchline I was just about to deliver, uh, which was, a, 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 you know, a real image at the same time, was picture this, you know, your hero... <laughs> Jogging down the street with two bottles of cheap plonk, Jacobs Creek Chardonnay. I look at that. You know, um, I went to Vienna once. I, I'm, I'm not much of a traveller. I've been overseas only twice in my life. Um, uh, I went to Vienna, and Jacobs Creek, just the ordinary Jacobs Creek, not even the reserve, um, was kind of a luxury on the shelves there. Uh, that gave me a surprise and quite highly priced, you know, back in the days when I drank wine and um, I thought, oh, how about that, you know? Um, but here, you know, it's cheap plonk, <laughs> but it's good stuff. You know, I remember that. I, I haven't tasted wine for about three and a half years, but I remember it to be good stuff, Jacob's Creek, you know, very reliable. Anyway, picture good old Charlie, you know, the romantic hero of this play, um, yeah, he got a two-for deal on the Jacobs Creek shardy. And he's jogging down the street and um, in his tracksuit pants. You need, you need to cue the music, you know, the rom-com music now. And, um, and rocks up at the Salvo's bins and the two ladies there sorting out the op shop stuff. And he says, there you go. And I chucked him on top of the bin, you know, because I didn't want an interaction. I didn't want to have an interaction with them. But I said, there's your plonk. And I left it there and ran back to my car, jumped in and took off. Now, now you see, and people say romance is dead. 